I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Jenna. She's the owner of Brackish Bracing and is an orthotist. An, an orthotist? Orthotist? Tune into the episode to find out how to pronounce that. Let's talk about it. This is uh, going to be really fun because we're sitting here talking to our new friend, Jenna. And uh, you know what? I want to start this by saying, Jenna, I was on PEI, um, I don't know, maybe it was like two weeks ago, and I was hanging out with my wife. We were, we were having like a really lovely day, and we were walking down this little um, no, the, the no traffic street called Victoria Row. Where it's just like just foot traffic, and PEI is really calm and cool right now because uh, tourism is dead. There's no one on PEI, so it's kind of interesting and neat. It's the place to be right now. It's the place to be right now. Yeah. And, interesting, uh, but also shitty for their a, economy. A bit sad, a bit sad, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, regardless, we were having a very lovely day, and, uh, and Bridie took a phone call, and I figured, all right, well, while she's on the phone, I'll quickly check my email, and I pick up my phone and I open our email and there's this lovely little email from a woman named Jenna who happened to be you. And it was the sweetest little message just to reach out and say like, Hey, stoked about your show. Here's a little bit about me and what I do for a living. And I immediately turned to Brody and I was like, look at this fucking email. This is the su- This is so sweet. We got to get this lady on the show. And I texted Lauren and I was like, Lauren, find her. Get her on the, get her on a mic. And we that, pay you, that's we don't pay why you. it's important if you're a science major to still take English literature classes in undergrad <laughs> because then you can write letters like that to weasel your way onto a podcast. Yeah, you, you weaseled your way right into this. Thank um, you. Um, and, and I got to say, it, it, the, your, your email made my day. Um, but why don't you make our uh, our listeners' day by letting them know what it is that you do for a living? Because I, I this is going to be a really fascinating and fun conversation. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a certified orthotist, and uh, so I'm part of the field of orthotics and prosthetics. So uh, I guess an easy way of describing it is with prosthetics. The prosthetist is making a replacement limb for something that's missing. An orthotist is making a brace or an orthosis for a limb that's paralyzed or not functioning properly or not shaped in a great way. Um, And so we're mostly working with people who have like long-term chronic issues and a lot of the time they're complex. So um, we work with a lot of neuromuscular conditions like cerebral palsy, brain injury, MS, stroke, uh, spina bifida, diabetic neuropathy, and a whole bunch of kind of like one in a million conditions that you only see every once in a while. Um, And then we also work with like some complex orthopedic issues like um, 
like limb salvage situations or like complex fractures that aren't healing properly or crush injuries or what's limb salvage limb salvage yes limb salvage is usually uh well it can it can, can happen with a couple of kind of origins probably the most common one that you'd think of is uh if somebody gets in a really bad accident so um, it could be farm machinery or something at work, like someone sticks their hand into a press to grab something and they get crushed in the press. Uh, in farm equipment, it could be like farm equipment, you know, grinds uh. up all kinds of things. And if you're, you know, your limb gets caught in it, uh, sometimes either parts get pulled off or it just it gets very much ripped off. Um, it can happen in car accidents if something gets really, really banged up. So like... Um, like could be if you're in the vehicle, you're on a motorcycle or a bicycle or something like that. And then in those cases, you know, like the surgeon is just trying to use whatever's left to put it together in a way that's like functional and healthy and better than if it was amputated. Um, the other the other way that someone could end up in a limb salvage situation is like sometimes if there's uh, if it's like a like cancer. Um, so I think your friend, his name was Brandon, who had the Van Ness rotation plasty. Mm -hmm. I was actually working at the Halifax Rehab Center in that department, probably when he went through to get his his limb. But anyways, so when you have like, say an osteosarcoma, like a bone cancer in, it usually happens in the thigh bone and it doesn't always result in like a rotation plasty. So you can have a rotation plasty where like the lower leg gets turned around and stuck on and the ankle becomes the knee. You can end up with, um, with like an above knee amputation. And then sometimes you can have a limb salvage where if they're able to get the tumor out without having to take that whole section of the bone out. And then when that happens, you can, you'll be missing parts of your muscle sometimes, like your tendons might not attach in the same way. There's just a lot of disruption. And then the bone might, you know, it won't be necessarily as structurally sound as it used to be. So sometimes those situations, it'll also look like a limb salvage. And anytime we have a limb salvage, uh, it's like very, very much like a a one-off situation. So they always look differently. Yeah, sometimes if like, this limb salvage section is crossing a joint, which is usually how they end up with me. Um, it's not so much of like, oh, is this exact tendon and this exact muscle working the way it is? It's just kind of like, how are things moving? How are things functioning? Mm. It doesn't really matter what's there or what's not. It's just like, what's it look like? And then what do we need to do? So do you basically Whoa. become like a mad scientist kind of like playing with like, yeah. like almost um, like inventing different things for, for each unique situation? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I compared it, like, when I started school for orthotics and prosthetics, I was like, oh, this is like science camp with, like, a lot of education. Right. Um, Because, well, we have a sandbox. That's cool. We have a sandbox in the workshop. But, yeah, so our our clinic is... Is that a metaphor for something? No, no, no. We have a literal sandbox. sandbox. Yeah. So, like, my first day of orthotics and prosthetics school, when I came home, I, like, called my mom. I'm like, mom, there's a sandbox. Um, but like, so the clinics are, are like half clinical space and then half workshop space. So, um, when a new patient comes to me, they come to me either by referral from a doctor or their surgeon or a physio or somebody, sometimes they just call me out of the blue. Um, and so I assess them in the clinical space. So for an adult that usually looks like, um, testing their muscle strength and their range of motion and seeing how they move around 
if it's an like an arm or a hand, a lot of the time it's very function-based. So if they use a hammer at work, then we give them a hammer and see how they use that. If they play guitar, I tell them to bring their guitar in. If they want to kayak, they truck their kayak paddle in. And so we assess how they move. And then you have to design something that marries the requirements for their anatomy, their biomechanics, so like the physics of how they move, um, what they do for a living, what they do for hobbies, what environment they're in. So are they in salt water all the time? Do they live on an island like six hours Whoa. away where they need two ferries and like a six-hour drive to get here? Um, do they have a tolerance for fiddling with things? So like kids who refuse to tie their shoes grow into adults who refuse to tie their shoes. And those types of people will probably mm-hmm. not spend a whole bunch of time doing up laces and little buckles and stuff. So you better make it quick to put on or they're better not going to do them it. Better give them Velcro. Yeah. yeah, you better give them some Velcro. I'm, and then It yeah, sounds like you work on the set of Mythbusters. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm picturing, uh, yeah. what's the guy's name with the, with the you know, the big mustache and, yeah. and then the, the redheaded guy. Like, And they're just, they're just constantly like in the workshop, like the sparks. I think there's a sandbox in the background too. And like, it just sounds like such a, like, it sounds like such a fun, dynamic, yes, like crazy mind puzzle. And everything is problem solving and it's different every time. Even if you're doing the same type of device, everything is built from the ground up for the patient. And like, so. Well, I was going to ask. People, I, I was going to ask. Sorry, I, um, I wanted to know about like the relationships with your clients because yeah. I imagine that like even in the the journey of recovery, and we're really familiar on this podcast with hearing people's stories, and especially people who have mm-hmm. come back from experiencing a traumatic injury, they go through this like evolution of being able to like like through rehabilitation, being able to do, to do different things, and I yeah. imagine that your um, the work that you're doing with the orthotics is it has to almost like be done in like custom steps or phases to be able to like accommodate them as they learn to, um, or, or rehabilitate and learn to reuse, say that, uh, a limb during a limb salvage yeah. procedure. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a good point that you brought up. Cause we, we meet people in all different stages of their recovery as well. So when I worked in the hospital system in Halifax, I would some, I, as soon as people are stable enough to move out of acute care, they'd move into the rehab center. And so sometimes I'd be seeing them like a couple weeks after this like massive stroke. And so at that stage, a lot of the time people are like, they're just getting out of their crisis mode. They can't even picture what their life might look like. Um, mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure it out and they're going through, they're still on the ramp of like that initial recovery Sometimes we get people who never accessed care and Mm. they had an accident or they were born with something and they're coming to me like 10, 20 years later and they've never, you know, used the services. Mm. And then sometimes like I'll meet somebody when they're an inpatient and they're like, okay, well, this is what I think I'm going to be doing. This is what I think my life is going to look like. And then they come back. Uh, a few years later and I see them again and they're like, yeah, that's totally different. Um, Or how they feel about themselves with the brace. So it's almost like the orthosis or the device that we make. um, It's a medical device, but if someone's wearing it every day, it has to like feel like it's part of you, almost like it's a piece of clothing or footwear you put on. That's really interesting. I've never thought about how like, you know, we are, we are, we're constantly evolving as people and, Mm -hmm. And we're changing as, you know, like we change as we grow. And 
our lifestyles change. I never really thought about yeah. how. Well, we just talked to somebody the other day funny who, one. who put who had a who had her leg amputated, and she was right. talking specifically about her prosthetic, <laughs> which was, which she was like, I just don't use it because the way that it the way that it it integrates with me sucks. Yeah. Right. And, and she wanted and, a gun leg, but she couldn't get it. So yeah. She, yeah. Right. She wanted to be, that. she wanted to be like the she chicken go hunting uh, in zombies. Uh, what's the movie? What's the roadhouse uh, movie? It's, gr- it's grindhouse. Uh, grindhouse. It's a uh, planet terror. Yeah. Yeah. Planet terror. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and she said just the way that it's built for me doesn't, doesn't really work. Mm. And yeah. she's, she's not, she's not there yet with a new one. And so she just, she just doesn't use her prosthetic. Yeah, and it like in the you know kind of the root reason for that varies from one person to another. So yeah. it's it's funny you, you guys brought it up because um, I I I met this this patient when I worked at the rehab center and his first set of AFOs, which is an ankle foot orthosis, it's like a lower leg brace. His first set, he was just like, oh, I'm gonna pick like. Uh, like puppies or something as the pattern because like my nephew's gonna like it and Cute. then I when I met him a few years later he's just like what the hell was I thinking I don't have puppies on my leg all the time yeah. and like it was just like when he initially <laughs> yeah. had the accident yeah. he was just like yeah. he hadn't he wasn't really thinking of like this is a thing that's gonna be this on me that should yeah. feel like part yeah. of me and sometimes it takes a while for people to f- kind of figure out how they want that to look and how they feel about it um, yeah. That's yeah, how so I feel. That's how I feel about this uh, this tattoo on my ankle. It's a uh, yeah. wait, wrong side. <laughs> I was, I was going to say it's, it's like it it's would this be tattoo like... on my ankle that that is a hold on. I'll bring it up to the carrier. Okay. It's a chicken bone that got a bite <laughs> okay. taken out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It would be like it would be like if your kid if your kid was really into Teletubbies and you're like, I'm going to get a full sleeve of Teletubbies. Yeah. 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 And then because, yeah. because, because like, he's yeah. good, because my kid's going to love my it. Kid and then it. you're like, Oh, I need this to function in my day to day. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Don't, but don't, yeah, like it. Moral of the story. Don't get tattoos or orthotic, uh, designed patterns when you're on LSD. Um, <laughs> I guess that yeah. one thing that I do want to know though, uh, why do you have a sandbox in your office? I don't think I actually like, yeah. got the answer to that. I know. I built suspense well there. So um, so after I assess somebody and I figure out like what sort of design works with all of these things, then uh, usually I would take a cast or a, like a mold of that body part. Mm. Um, so I usually use um, fiberglass casting things. So it's the same thing that they use if someone breaks their arm. And you get a cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mm-hmm. you know, wrap them up in that, and then I, I zip it off, and then I have this, this uh, what you call a negative cast. So it's hollow on the inside, yeah. and then I need to fill that cast, like seal it up and fill it, so that I get a positive cast, which looks, you know, just like the person's limb. So to do that, I seal it up with, uh, with plaster bandage, and then I dig a hole in my sandbox, and then I stand the negative cast up in it, and I mix up my bucket of plaster. And I pour it in and then I stick like a big metal pipe into the middle of the liquid plaster. So then it solidifies in there and then I strip off the outside fiberglass part and then I just have the the plaster positive to work with. And then I use like a cake decorating spatula to do custom modifications by hand to that cast so that it's shaped just the way that I want it. If it has like a bending section, especially if it's at an ankle... I want it to have bending dynamics in a certain way so that the brace lasts a long time and also so that it works biomechanically for the person. So I do that by hand in plaster. And then we dry the cast. And then we have, uh, like in our fabrication lab, we've uh, we've got a big infrared oven and we heat up 
sheets of plastic and we can put like different inks in them to put colors or patterns on them. And then we, we mold the, the polypropylene over the cast of the, the limb. Wow. That's, and then that's Rob, so Rob's the other half of Brackish. Uh, Rob does that molding and then he'll cut it out and then use, uh, use like the grinders to finish it up and make the straps and everything. And then Do I bring you, the person back in and then I fit it to them. I feel like you, you'd make a, an the, amazing, uh, like if, if you needed a career change, you could just like go, yeah, you know, fuck bracing. I'm going to get into practical effects in movies. Well, so, and they'd be like, yeah, but you come to us. So you people know how to do use go back and forth. Yeah. One of my classmates in technical <laughs> school used to build sets on movies and for TV. And then he totally. came there. Yeah. yeah. And then there are people who come from like fine art backgrounds. There were two tool and die makers in my technical class. There's people from engineering backgrounds. So that's kind of the cool thing because it's this weird little Wild West portion of healthcare where you're like doing this very academic side and you're yeah. meeting with members of the healthcare team, but then you're also like knee deep in like, I don't know, like rubber and foam flying at your face. Uh, and it's like this very <laughs> hands-on kind of based thing and it's very people oriented. So like, I think the people that end up coming into the field, first of all, they build the best Halloween costumes. All of us do. Totally. Yeah. yeah we're very well, good. Right, right before we started recording, yeah. I, I, I popped on and you had been sitting here on, on camera for a bit. And I like, I, I caught you in the middle of like making a, a pretty oh, badass looking COVID mask. You were just yeah. like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, oh no, don't mind me. Just fiddling here. Just creating a mask out of nothing. Brian, you would appreciate it. It's Singer sewing machine. Oh, that's fabric. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you um, have any pieces, like any of the actual yeah. orthotics that will go to clients, like in, in the office you can show us? Yes. Sweet. Oh, there's a there's a whole, she's got a whole <laughs> bunch right, of shit so, here. Uh-huh. Sweet. Just let me get my other headphone in. So this is a sample Whoa. of an AFO. So... An AFO is an ankle foot orthosis, so uh, it goes from like the tips of your toes, usually up the back of your leg, but sometimes the front, and then it ends just below the knee. Um, and they can be in different, made from different materials. The one that I'm holding and showing the guys, this one's made from polypropylene, and it has a has sailboats on. Uh, it. I, was <laughs> wondering, I, was, I thought there were yeah. clouds, but yeah, sailboats. That, yeah, sailboats. Is that to fit onto a? Is that on? Is that to fit onto? Like to someone's leg who yeah. who doesn't have um, who doesn't have uh, like support in their ankle joint. Yeah, so it's uh, we use these really often for uh, cerebral palsy, MS, stroke, spinal cord injury. A lot of most of the time, it's uh, related to having weakness that affects how the ankle and foot moves. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we can also use it if there's weakness in the knee as well. So if these, you know, if we make it so that the ankle is stiffer, if you imagine like a downhill ski boot, how you can just kind of like lean your shins forward yeah. and rest on the ski boot. Yeah. So if someone has proximal weakness, so weakness around <clears throat> like the the knees or the hips, we can sometimes use these lower, smaller braces to be able to help someone functionally. Hmm. Like but they would be up. sweet too if you're chucking a wheel kick, you know, on a street fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the yeah, your Jenna, enemy is the, done for? What's the like? I imagine that um, oftentimes you mentioned that 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 type of ankle support could be used for uh, a number of different um, conditions. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that that one's like a tip, typically pretty common 
uh, one that you would put together? Yeah, so we do we do a lot of AFOs. Um, they don't always look like this. So uh, the one that I'm holding is like flexible at the mm-hmm. ankle. So it's like made with one layer of plastic and I've shaped it in a way that when the person walks, the ankle part will bend. Sometimes it's, uh, Sometimes they have hinges instead of like flexible plastic. So they would come around more. Sometimes the person's foot is fixed downwards, like almost in a toe point. And so mm. in those cases, we have to build, build like a wedge heel onto it and then probably do a shoe lift on the cool. other side. Um, and that's molded to someone's, someone's yeah. specific sh- like leg, foot, yes. ankle, heel shape. Yeah. yeah. So this was not made for me, the one that I'm holding. So if I put it on me, it wouldn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, so and these can be different materials. So uh, this one's polypropylene. They can be carbon fiber. They can be like copolymer, like different materials. We, I find we use a lot of um, polypropylene because if somebody gets a change in their condition, like if they if it's a kid and they're growing, or if somebody gains weight, loses weight, if their condition gets worse or better, and they all of a sudden their foot changes shape or their presentation changes a bit, um, we can take heat guns and heat it up and push it out. It's easy to grind. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, we can drill the rivets out and, and change the strapping orientation. Um, would we can carbon even, like, be with, something that you use? Would carbon be something more that's used for like uh, racing, I mean, uh, like sport oriented things, like or wheel or kicks to the you, head, that sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, mostly wheel kicks. wheel kicks to the head. Um, yeah, that makes sense. It kind of it kind of depends. So, like, I use carbon on elderly people and young people. It completely depends. Um, the tricky thing about carbon is that it's really difficult to adjust. So I can't just take a heat gun and then change it. So for somebody, I I tend to use them more on somebody who uh, is not likely to have big changes. So like a six-year-old kid is not going to get carbon because Mm -hmm. they're going to double in size in like two years. You can't, it's harder to do growth adjustments on it. Um, But certainly for somebody who's looking for something more lightweight and a little bit thinner, so sometimes they fit in the shoes better, the carbon ones. Um, but it really depends on the person. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of folks who I see here, they might be moving targets. Uh, so they might get surgery down the road. They might, you know, their medications might change the way that they move. Um, you know, they might get swelling and stuff. There's so, so many variables. There's so yeah. many variables. Um, yeah. And then the other thing with like carbon, if we were to do a custom carbon one, we usually need to do the a polypropylene one first and fit it to them so that we can change anything we, we need to right. change in the fitting. And then we go make the carbon fiber one. Yeah. So um, it's super specific. It's very specific. It also like it doubles the price at least. Yeah, right. And yeah, there's yeah. no Whoa. funding for these devices in Nova Scotia. So for Do any for any of these devices? Uh-uh, nothing. I mean, well, you, let's talk if about you that have, for a minute. Yeah, so if you have like private insurance through like Blue Cross or something or if you're covered through workers comp, then they'll usually be, you know, workers comp will co- usually cover everything and then private insurance will cover hopefully most of it depending mm. on the device, but you know, if, if you're talking about Nova Scotia, a huge chunk of this province would be kind of in the working poor category. So somebody's mm. working, so they're not, they don't get any social assistance that would allow the coverage, but then they're not working a job that is good enough that would mm. allow them enough income to pay for it out of pocket. Mm-hmm. And they might not also be getting medical benefits that would allow them to pay for it. Um, what and are so, we talking about in terms of price for these? Yeah. So because they're all custom, uh, 
for like the AFO. So this so 20, ankle 20 bucks, thir- 30 bucks around there. Around 30 bucks. Yeah. No, they, uh, so like the actual cost of making them starts at around like 1200. Um, and they can go, there, yeah. yeah. And they can go up from there, but yeah, they're usually kind of between like 12 and 1700, depending on what the design is and how much labor is involved and what mm-hmm. the materials That's are. Um, but, and then usually someone's wearing these for like long term. So if someone doesn't have a changing condition and they're not like jumping out of trees all the time or something like that, um, (laughs) kids jump out of trees and break their stuff. So anyway, so if they're, if they're not changing too much and they're not ridiculously hard on their devices, sometimes these will last for like five, 10, 15 years, like quite a long time. Um, if somebody is changing quite a bit, if it's a kid, so like, you know, if for kids, they might be going through one of these every year or two until their growing slows down. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah right. So that can get pretty expensive. Yeah. Some yeah, plans yeah, also yeah. only allow one per lifetime. So every time they need a new right. one, we have to go through this whole right. like essay writing process to like justify why this like friggin' seven year old needs a new brace. Again, right. that's a value in taking those English courses, I guess. I know, I know. My funding letters are very successful. <laughs> you must um you must see you must see quite a few uh, quite a few inspiring things in the in the in the course of your in the course of your your day or, or, or you know throughout the course of your career. Like when I think of the, when I think of when I think of a lot of the people that we've had the opportunity to speak to that have had um, that have like you know complications with their with their movement, whether that's through um, you know like a congenital condition or or uh, uh, an accident an injury or a disease that's that taken a limb away from them or restricted their movement in in some capacity and how how devastating that is when they get that news and then Ooh, but then also yeah. on the flip side seeing how how incredible it is when they are when when they've when they've lost something and then they're given something back through the work of, 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 a, of like a, like for example, a prosthetic, um, like what's that, what's that, what's that like for you? Is that, does that play a, does that play a, a role in, in, you know, why you do this work? Like seeing, seeing how people, seeing how people like find, I mean, I imagine you must see people find purpose again with their with their movement. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, like, so the reason I got into the field was I wanted something that would marry art and science, and I could work with people and then do something which, like, at the end of the day, I could come home from work and be like, "Yeah, that was a worthwhile way to spend my time." So that's why I wanted to get into it. Um, I would, I always like kind of pump the brakes a bit with using the word inspiring. Um, because like it's, uh, if there's somebody who's able-bodied describing somebody who's disabled as inspiring, it kind of, it sometimes gives this impression that like, you like seeing those stories because it makes you feel good about where, about your situation. Inspiration porn. It's, that's it. That's it. It's inspiration porn. So I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I would say I'm impressed. I'm impressed for sure. Um, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfair to say that it's inspiring to see somebody who's down and out about something. And then all of a sudden I think so. feels, yeah. feels like revitalized or feel finds purpose. I mean, I, I totally know what you mean. And we talk about that quite a bit on the show is yeah. like, mm-hmm. is like, 
is saying like, Oh, that's so amazing. Like, that's so amazing. Good for, good for you. Like you can now do what I do every day without thinking about it. Um, yeah. And I, and I get what you're saying. And I think, I think like in the literal sense of the word, I'm inspired all the damn time at work. Um, I don't like to use the word because of how often my patients would hear someone say, Oh, that's so Mm. inspiring how you get up and go to work every day. And like, it's, you know, it's well-meaning and it's like the person who doesn't really know what to say, like, thank you, but kind of screw you. So I just Mm. try to avoid it. And like, I know Taylor, you didn't mean mean. anything, uh, you know, like, condescending no taylor's the uh, condescending like, one out of the group so that, yeah. that, that so you, <laughs> no you, he means well he means you well got taylor it's that so inspiring you. how I, you overcame I, your bike accident <laughs> um, yeah. so, yes, yes, yes. no no so yeah. it, it's super impressive um i would i would say that like maybe a couple times a year you'll get somebody who just like completely blows it out of the water where like you know everything that I would have thought would be like, this person is at this functional level and I think they'll be here. And then sometimes, you know, every once in a while they come back and they're just like, oh yeah, I'm like eight hours a day tinkering in the garage now. And I'm like building a motorcycle now. And I'm just like, I thought you would be like walking short distances to get the mail. And like, it's just like, so that happens sometimes where it's just like insane. And I, you know, I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, the the smaller smaller gains are also are also pretty pretty neat. But I I would say kind of there's a difference between like orthotics and prosthetics. I feel like in prosthetics you get to give something to somebody that they don't have, and then sometimes in as an orthotist I'm trying to like sell something they don't want. <laughs> so um, yeah, so like every, you know the leg is already there, the arm is already there. In some cases, it's like people go like, oh yeah, this is definitely going to be a benefit. Um, when we're talking about sometimes kids where the device is not always used to like improve their mobility per se, but the device might be used to possibly reduce the number of surgeries they might need before they're full grown. It might reduce the secondary effects that might happen like 15, 20 years from now. And that can be really, that can be a tricky sell because like you're, you know, you're trying to like, you know, it's hard for kids to see the future or, or to feel like what the consequence, you know, to feel the weight of the consequences when, when you're a kid. It's like my and, dentist telling me to wear a bite plate. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. And like, it's like maybe easier to understand it like as you get older, but when you're like 13 and the dentist is like, you got to wear this to sleepovers. Definitely. It's just like, no, this is I awful. I stopped wearing mine when I was 13 and now you're I need like, to go back and get like yeah. an line. So. But I forgot to yeah. clean it and it smells bad. Um, I, I was going to say, I imagine the most challenging um, part of your entire career in education was actually learning how to say orth- orthotist. Orthotist, yeah. Um, I feel <laughs> like... Do you want to take another step with that, bro? Orthotist. So like orthotist. Yeah. You put the emphasis is on the first syllable, like orthotist. Yeah, there's like a. I, f- I feel like, like our first class was mouth. like a grammar oh, level, like a grammar lesson, because like an orthotic is not really a word. So like orthotic is like an adjective, or orthotics is a noun, as in it's like the field of orthotics. Right. But the device is an orthosis, so they're just like, okay, well you're an orthotist and you make orthoses singular orthosis the the field field is orthotics orthotics. if it's a device you can say it's an orthotic device 
Yeah. How, and it's confusing you... because like when people say foot orthotics, it's like the thing that everyone says, but grammatically correct, it's foot orthosis. I, when when oh, I saw it, that you had, had uh, written this and uh, sent the email, I saw that there was a, the subject for this recording was orthotics. And I was like, oh, um, like comfortable Scholes. shoes. How, how boring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about comfortable shoes. That's what, yeah. That's what, that's what that's what popped into my mind was, was squishy souls. Was, yeah, squishy souls. I was yeah, like, I was souls. like, wow. There, there's there, there's a lot to talk about like, when it comes. to Why is Jeremy so straight. excited about this? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what's uh, what's I the fucking difference? love like, those squishy souls or, though, man. <laughs> what's the difference, or or is there, or is it like an orthotic <laughs> is a device? So an orthos- orthosis is the device that's externally applied to the body that crosses a joint to affect the way that the body functions or that joint functions. So well, foot orthosis... So it has to cross a joint? It, you, yeah, I think it pretty well always kind crosses of, mostly? a joint. Yeah. I, like, right, I'm I guess to, why, why would you wear just a brace like from here to here, oh, I guess? So, so would you? we sometimes, very here, rarely... For people who can't see it, I'm just literally just pointing to like my, my, yeah, yeah. my, my so ulna. In a couple of situations, I've done devices that didn't cross a joint, and it's like very rare. So in one mm. case... Um, uh, is for some if somebody gets dialysis a lot sometimes the um like the where they put the needle in and I don't know anything about dialysis so I don't understand what the words are but basically the you end up with like the skin arms. being very no you end up with the skin yeah. being very thin and like the blood vessels being very close to the surface and if they get nicked they could like just bleed out immediately Whoa. um and like some of those people work as like auto mechanics or like places where there's all kinds of sharp stuff. Yeah, so not, not a great job. For yeah. That. So like in, so sometimes we will make them like basically a, a forearm kind armor, of armor yeah, thing. Armor. And you Whoa. have to make it so that when they go in for dialysis, they can still access the, like that oh, area, cool. but then wow. it's still like, it's an armor thing. So if they get hit or if they get nicked, Shield like plates. it's just going to hit. Yeah. So that's, that's like the only kind of situation I can really think of off the top of my head where you're not really crossing a joint. Again, I feel like you're really making r- just spectacular combat uh, mm-hmm. wearables. Yeah. Like, you know, this is all just sounding really, really great for combat. Um, so have wait, you ever? Wait, I have a question. Wait, I have a wait, question sorry, for all of you. Just before we move on, um, so is Doctor Shoals technically like the same thing that you do, just in a different like? He's actually the first orthothosis. But is that <laughs> it's the same orthotics? It's the same orthosis, or is it different? Those are orthotics and orthosis are different things. Yeah. So all of our devices are named after what part of the body that they cross. So like the brace that I was showing you, like the AFO, the ankle foot orthosis. So it crosses the ankle and the foot, so it's an ankle foot orthosis. Foot orthotics slash foot orthoses, it's an orthosis that just cross is on the foot. Um, okay. Oh my God, Dr. Scholes, Dr. Scholes, 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 Scholes. So like a, you know, like a large syrup. spinal device would be like a TLSO, so a thoracolumbosacral orthosis. So we just Whoa. name everything out of the t- wow. part, part of the body it, it, it cross, uh, crosses. Okay. Yeah. Have you have you guys ever seen a tombstone with or, with orthoses? No. <laughs> I I was in a graveyard the other day and I saw this. Uh, I saw a tombstone with a back brace. Look at this. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, That's whoa. Very that crosses the uh, lumbar, the, the lumbar uh, region. Of, lumbar. I would say, two, yeah, that's like an LSO. That's a lumbosacral orthosis. Mm. It was a lumbar, mm. lumbar sacral orthosis in a graveyard in Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and when did you guys start doing that work? Um, adding, <laughs> adding orthosis to, to tombstones. To tombstones. Yeah, that's like, a, that's like more of a special request thing. Uh, it was really good to do that work during like the COVID lockdown because <laughs> yeah, we could do it right. without yeah, contact yeah. and we were in, you know, in the fresh air and everything. <laughs> Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this very short break. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. I can only imagine that... that schooling for this profession is extensive. Like what, what was that process like for you? And, and, you know, take us on like a day in the life of someone who's going to school for orthotistness. You're so close. Yeah. So the program is combined for prosthetics and orthotics. So you you learn both in school and then depending which kind of residency you do afterwards and then which board exams you sit, well, you know, to determine whether you're an orthotist or prosthetist. And you can be both, but you have to do two residencies. You just didn't want to go home to a family dinner and tell your grandparents that were hard of hearing that you're a prosthetist. I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Jokes I've never heard before, Brian. Uh, So there's two English, there's only two English speaking schools in Canada for orthotics and prosthetics. So there's um, George Brown in Toronto, and it runs out of Sunnybrook Hospital, which is the big trauma hospital there. And then the other one is BCIT in Vancouver. So BCIT, I think they take either like 12 or 14 students every second year. So they only have an intake every second year. And then George Brown takes eight students per year. And then that's it for the whole country. Holy shit, English speaking. So, yeah, it's it's hard to get in. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is it because the industry is so – is it because there's like – like in um in Nova Scotia for example there mm. was like a th- there was a long while where they just where it was hard to go to school to be a teacher because there was just mm-hmm. no teaching jobs so that they so they weren't yeah so it was hard to go to t- school for teaching and then that changed so there's but- a yeah there's a Canada wide shortage for orthotists and prosthetists um i think so i don't know everything about it but as far as like as i understand it as one of the big challenges for increasing enrollment or getting other other post secondary institutions to to open up um, programs is that it is incredibly expensive. So yeah. uh, you need this whole workshop environment. Plus, right. you need the clinical space. Um, plus, you need classroom space. So the amount of space and resources per student that's used is enormous. And so, like, short of charging every student like a million dollars a year in tuition, which wouldn't be any good, then you just have like incredibly wealthy people mm. working in the field and you wouldn't have anyone else. Um, yeah, it's just really hard to convince a, a post-secondary institution to to like open up a program. So we're just like, yeah. the pitch is like, this is a huge money sink, but you can put it in the brochure. 
it's cool. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, it, it, it's a hard argument. Um, so yeah, it's a, and then kind of going back to it, you, you have to do a degree in something before you get into orthotics and prosthetic schools. So uh, most people are like in a kinesiology degree situation, but some people do the engineering route and some people, like I did biomedical science before, but yeah, it's some sort of undergrad. And then the clinical program is two years. There's also a technical program, which uh, Rob, the other half of the clinic, uh, he went to that. And then after you graduate, you do a two-year residency um, anywhere in Canada under somebody who's like a, a qualified supervisor. And then you sit your board exams. Um, and then after that, you just have to maintain your continuing education. Right. I, yeah. <clears throat> it makes me wonder about – sometimes I think about um, – this is going to sound really random, but I actually do sometimes think about this about people who go, who had like went to school when I was in school, like who went to you know say they went to Ryerson went, while I was there, and they were studying like code, mm-hmm. and and then I th- I'm, <laughs> I think about yeah I don't well, I don't know like computer like si- yeah computer, just science. computer science you know whatever, <laughs> and I think about those people and I go I wonder how you know because that world is is constantly evolving and changing so quickly like how 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 challenging is that you yeah. know to like do an education in something that is that is Dynamic. so rapidly changing all the time and i feel like this work that you're doing inevitably must have some sort of fast evolving tech side of it like yeah. is is there like are there is the is the industry moving at a rate that that is like that is kind of leaving your graduating class like kind of in behind like in the mm. like in the dirt in the dust because you're kind of going oh fuck I, we can't keep up with the way that right. technology is increasing so fast. So I would say like the even wilder part is that we have to maintain the capability of doing seventy years of tech, you know, at any time. So we still have Jesus. polio patients on our caseload. Which, like, as a sidebar, you guys should totally interview someone who had polio in the fifties and sixties because oh, man, they are yeah. going doing—they're doing their second pandemic right now. Yeah. But anyways, so we still have people who had polio, so they, a lot of them, are still wearing those braces that are like <laughs> the metal and leather kind, like the Forrest right. Gump or like the the yeah. like Mel Gibson Mad Max, whichever you prefer. Um, so we need mm. to do that sort of tech, which is like seventy years old. And then, like, everything in between for all of the people who don't want to switch on to a new type of tech. And then for emerging stuff, um, yeah, there's some, there's new, there's definitely new, new things. Um, like I, anything that you would tell me right now that I would go get the fuck out of here. Get out of here, yeah. I mean, so probably, like, on the orthotic side, one of the really cool ones is, like, um, the like the C brace that Autobach makes and then the Kyogo from I think it's Bitima is is the company. So both of those devices, they're like uh they go from kind of the ankle slash lower leg and then they go up very close to the hip. And um they both have microprocessors in them and gyroscopes so they anticipate which direction that they think you're going to move in. And then they'll react by either like locking the knee or unlocking the knee or slowing it down, like slow breaking it or like free space. Do you guys have robotics in like in your, because we met a girl once that basically was wearing, um, she was, she was a half mech woman. Cyborg. Like, yeah, she, Mm. like her lower half was like, 
when she walked, it was like, yeah, it sounds like snow pants rubbing together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that would be classified as an orthotic, right? Because she wasn't missing any limbs; she was missing the function of her lower body. Yeah, so that would be that would be an orthosis. Um, wow. So we don't, yes. yeah. So we don't have them here. Yes. Like we have some. I know. I uh, sorry, I didn't mean to scold you on the grammar. No, that's good. Um, ow, scold. Yeah, ow, ow. I know. I won't so do it again. Um, so we don't just have like eighty thousand dollar robotic pieces like lying around, but um, special right. order only. Just I like imagine. yeah, it's the special order situation. Yeah. But if we do have a patient who's like looking at possibly using it's like it's it would be like buying a luxury car they're so expensive so right. usually we can contact the company and they can send us a sample of one that we can strap on and sometimes uh pre-covid a rep might actually come down and like uh show us how the programming works with that patient because you usually have to program it to so their cool. gate pattern Whoa. um and you also can like switch modes with them. So some of them like you can set them so that if you do like a toe tap, then it'll switch from like a walking mode to a bicycle mode or like walking Whoa, mode to like just with a toe tap. Yeah, Whoa. isn't that cool? There's, so you can do oh, like that's so James like, Bond. Yeah, so you can do it with like I think there's like a button you can push or you can get remotes for them. And I think with some of them, I don't know if it's just for the prosthetic side or with it or if it's also like with the C brace, you can like you can toe tap, which is so rad. Well, this Wait, woman so was like. I just want to say just do, uh, this. This woman was a was a, was we never. I can't remember her name for the life of me. Now we met her at a conference we spoke at, mm-hmm. and um, and she was really like this incredibly this incredible example of the type of person, uh, like the, an incredible example of like the things that we're trying that we try mm-hmm. to address on the show all the she time. She was which super is, inspiring, is what Taylor's trying to say. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, in the way that in the way that she she had. I can't remember what her condition was. She was she had the it might have been MS. She had she was losing function uh, a lot of function in her lower body uh, especially, and she had this. You know, it was it was like a lower body, mm-hmm. like it was mech, impressive mech, mech suit, and she was going to. Um, she had applied to med school, <laughs> got into med school, mm-hmm. and then I think her condition started to deteriorate after the fact, and the med yeah. school w- yeah. basically said. Hey, you, you can't do the program because of your condition, and she was like, "Well, I can do the program because I have full function because I have the use of this technology that I have." And she was like facing all this headwind from the mm-hmm. from her yeah. school from her med school, and it was really just sort of the, which is ironic. It's I totally ironic because, because it's school. a it's a med school. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it was just—it was just a really incredible. It was just a really incredible example of how mm-hmm. of how people view, uh, you know, like limitations yeah. that people have. And even though it wasn't even really a limitation because of your field, she wasn't facing, you know, obviously there's yeah. headwinds, but she wasn't facing and the she wasn't facing the limitation that she couldn't do med school. Yeah, the other interesting thing too is that like those really high tech solutions are not the solution for everybody. So like, mm-hmm. um. Mm. there's there's a guy on my caseload and like he said he said to me like i think the direct quote was like make me a brace like a square bodied truck from the 90s like he doesn't <laughs> want any bells and whistles he wants to like an old sewing machine he wants to see all the parts he de- he the more parts there are there the more parts he's going to break and like he's really hard on stuff he's not going to come into appointments i don't think every time he needs something and so 
Is this and, also and an aesthetic thing, or is it? Or no. is he just like practically? He's like, Super I know practical. that I'm going to fuck your shit Super up. Super so. practical. He's yeah. not somebody who would like stop and plug in a battery pack. He's not somebody who mm. would think for a second before he like jumps out of a tree. Um, so some like some, and and he's a young guy. So even you know sometimes the text that the you know whatever piece of technology you pull out of your pocket to use mm. for the person, it doesn't always match their demographic or like mm. what age group they're in. Sure. Um, so yeah, you might get like two people who are 25 and with one person, the answer is this like $80,000 uh, microprocessor device with motors in it and battery packs and everything. And that's going to be really good for their urban environment where they have access to outlets all the time. Um, and then sometimes the solution is like make a super simple bulletproof, not technically as functional, but like they can just screw off to a cabin yeah. in like, Ooh, I don't yeah. know, Digby Neck and you won't see them again for, <laughs> for a few years. Just take the Forrest Gump legs that he broke out of, put them back together and put them on me. We, yeah, made, yeah. we made one of those this year. Yeah. Yeah. We made one of those, like the, the metal and leather Forrest Gump style. I, we still, we still do them. Is that, Janet. is there anybody who wants like retro like, the retro like, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, like so is there anyone going for like I want the Forrest Gump look, like, hmm. like specifically going like I, you know, because because obviously we sort of talked about how Brian's frustrated how how there's like there's a, there's an ability to like you know create design and stuff on your yeah. on 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 these things, but like are are there people looking to to have a a very specific. Yeah. yeah, like like yeah. like sort of totally. a, a timeless look or it to the, des, the like the actual design of it. Yeah, yeah. There there are a few downsides. Like there there are real reasons why we moved away from the old metal and leather. Um, hygiene is one. So uh, sweat oh. kind of goes in, and it's hard to get them to come out. So it's like wearing the same pair of shoes like with no socks for like five, ten, fifteen years. Um, unless oh, you get geez. it refurbished. So hygiene can be tricky. That was tricky way longer than I was expecting. I was like, yeah, like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Years, no, like, well, I mean, it's oh. just like you can wipe it off, but like it's leather's porous, right? So yeah, yeah, like yeah. the fluid goes into it. Um, they're heavier generally because there's yeah. more metal. Um, and then they're typically built right into the shoe. So what uh, so what the technician would do is they would either use like a bandsaw or a knife or, or the grinder. They take the sole of the shoe off and then they and then they uh, they rivet this like metal plate in, and then that, and then the the sole of the shoe goes back on over top of it. So mm. with that design, that like conventional design, you can't change your shoes with them. So that's a li- big limitation for some people. Um, and then, yeah, so the weight is an issue. But I've certainly had people where they were just like, I don't like the look of plastic. I think it's cheap. I don't like the feel yeah. of it against my skin. It's just like not something I want. So like, yeah, I pulled out the metal and leather design for someone who is my age. Um, in those, But like, you always have a big conversation. You're just like, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, <laughs> if right. you get bed bugs in your apartment and they get into your brace, you're going to have to get your brace. Oh, um, yeah, right. Those oh, kinds yeah. of things. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it, you know, it just depends on the person and, and their situation. Jenna, have you ever worn the uh, mech legs, like the motorized, the the electronic motorized legs? Mm. Have you ever had a chance to like try them on? I haven't tried like the the Kyogo ones. I've seen it. Like one of my one of my colleagues got to put it on in a demo, and we like made him like jump off of chairs and stuff. Um, cool. How do you spell that? Kyogo. Yeah. K E E O G O. 
Yeah, so that's one oh, yeah. where Kyogre, there's like a microprocessor yeah. in it, and then it's also motorized. So if you don't have active quads, then it will like work as quads for you. This is exactly um, what she had. Exoskeleton. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm yeah. always trying to, that's yeah. on the tip of my tongue, but I always forget. It's yeah, so the, the, the Kyogo is super cool, and it also sounds exactly like splash pants, like <laughs> brushing against each other. Um, you wouldn't be sneaking yeah. up on anybody, that's for sure. Yeah, it's hard to sneak up on Whoa. people, but it is super, super cool, and it's probably like, I don't know, I think it's like one of the most functional things I've ever seen yeah. for someone like that. Imagine, there are, you know, there's putting your leg through a brick wall with that thing you know what i mean like a wheel kick with a, yeah. a motorized robot for your yeah. Yeah. there's limitations though if someone has spasticity so even if you have ms a lot of the time with uh, multiple sclerosis you get spasticity so the leg wants to move in ways that you don't want it to move and then if you're wearing mm. something with a microprocessor and it's trying to anticipate which way you want to move if your muscle twitches and it looks like you want to straighten your leg but it's just the tone then the you know the computer's going to be like oh you want to straighten your leg eh and it's going to straighten right, your leg right, right. and so it can like if you have someone with spasticity <laughs> that's not well controlled and they're wearing something like that it can sometimes even amplify like the right. the gait challenges that they have so you really have to pick the person to go into one of those. I mean, if you're, you, if you, you should listeners go like you've just on Kyogo's website. Like there's like it's, a video. It's pretty cool. Like, yeah. It's right super there. cool. I mean, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is like the tech that's going on in these things is nuts. And like, and when you see, yeah. when you see the, like the belt line where obviously there's, you know, there's, there's some tech going on there. There's probably a, a battery pack and, and a bunch yeah, of stuff the, going on. Yeah, on the belt, it's the battery pack. And I think, like, last time I heard, I think if you're, like, using, if you're, like, just walking constantly, I think you could walk for about two hours on one charge, and then it wow. comes with a spare pack, and you can switch it out midday. Wow. So for most people, that could get you through a day. If you're, totally. like, doing some walking yeah. and sitting and that sort of thing, if it's a combination, you could probably have a decently full day on two battery charges and think about um, that for a second like yeah. two day, like a full day of doing i mean just in, in the context of somebody who has who has like who's facing pretty severe physical challenges to mm-hmm. go like hey make sure you take your battery pack with you because you could you could be active all day long like that's incredible yeah. that's Incredible. On the flip side, yeah. it's not a silver bullet. So if you sure. take someone who has MS, um, it's not just there. It's not just like a couple of muscle groups that are weak. There's also like if your hamstrings are weak and your dorsiflexors, the ones that pick your foot up, if those two muscle groups are weak, almost guaranteed your hip flexors are going to be weak. So mm-hmm. that, you know, the Kyogo, it helps like bend and straighten your knee, but it doesn't help you lift the leg by, you know, flexing at the hip. Mm-hmm. That one gets super tired. So, yeah, you know, these device, and that's like, this is a theme with all of our devices. In almost all cases, what we do is not fixing things. It's not making it all better, but you, you'll you get a gain. Maybe it's 15% better. Maybe it's 70% better. Um, but, yeah, it's like, it, yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, it's like, from 100%. right off the bat when we were speaking, I mean, obviously, from the first, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of our conversation it's abundantly clear that the that the unique nature of this mm-hmm. field is what stands out the most that it is uh, there there is there is no there is no off the shelf um option for anybody and and, yeah. and that occasionally that, there is in a really rare situation sorry to interrupt you no, yeah. like if 
sometimes people who seem to be on the surface, like super complicated. Sometimes you assess them and you're like, oh yeah, this like very straightforward thing is actually going to work for you. Do you want to take that option? Um, so sometimes we can do an off the shelf, but mm, cool. like you need the, you need to be assessed by somebody <clears throat> so that they can tell you what yeah, like your right. realistic options yeah. are. Yeah. I, and sometimes um, we can customize off the shelf. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, that's okay. I, I was, Honestly, I wasn't sure if I was going to ask this question because um, but now I don't know you have it, to. I don't yeah. even know there's if it no going um, back now. <laughs> I don't even know if it makes sense or if there's anything here. But it was in my head. And Where did babies come from? <laughs> the, the nature of this show and these conversations is like if you're thinking it, ask it. There's no stupid question. <laughs> so I wanted to know. There's no stupid questions from Taylor or Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to know. Does does anybody? Um, ever come in and like talk about mobility issues like during trying to be intimate or like having <laughs> sex with their partners and like are there ways that you help them be more intimate with one another? Um, I don't know of anybody who actually wears their devices to bed. Um, yeah, like uh, and most of the devices that we do don't really help you for like moving your core around. So I guess like the short answer is like no one's asked me that. I bet um, you that Kigo would help though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Need hip, it needs the hip the hip part. Yeah. No, it's uh I mean it's something that Thanks it's something that I too. think is like they're starting to talk about it more in rehab centers. Um like it's like perhaps maybe something more that like a physiotherapist might, mm-hmm. might address or OT, like someone in the rehab team. Um, because, you know, basically everything that I do, it doesn't really address core function okay. or, like, or like hip function. So and therefore... The, the, reason, <laughs> the reason why I was asking is not because I'm just, I, I have sex on my mind. It was because I, I realized that those are probably tough conversations too. Yeah. Guys, don't shake your head at me. This is a totally normal conversation to have. We know you're um, not yeah, asking but, this because you're just <laughs> horny right Brian's now. A, Brian's a fucking pervert, everyone, <laughs> uh, if you can't tell. Guys, well, for I'm sure. just saying, the reason so why sure. is because it's, it, it would be you know, sometimes a yeah. tough conversation for people Absolutely. to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, we talk really. about like well, we will sometimes talk about like dating and Im- you know like uh, self image and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So in like 2015, 2016, when we had a lot of refugees coming in from Syria and Iraq, um, we had a lot of young people who had like taken a bullet to the hip in Syria oh, and they had Whoa. paralysis from it and um, kind of want to you know. One of the reasons why it's so great to have, it would be better if we had more diversity, I think, working in healthcare is because it took, it took another, you know, it took a, a physiatry resident to kind of interpret for me how, how disability is stigmatized in a different way, in a more severe way in the Middle East. So there was oh. like a guy there and he was like, I'm worried that, eventually it came out, he's like, I'm concerned that if somebody can tell that I'm wearing a brace, no one will love me, I will not get a wife. Like oh. that this is, so we were just like, okay. So once we figured out that he was just like for, and you know, being in Canada, it's not necessarily going to be as big of an issue, but like that was mm. so real to him. So, and that's one of the reasons why there was so much pushback for me doing a brace in the first place. He mm. was just like, ah, oh, can't mm. you make it smaller? Can't you make it like here? And I'm like, no, we don't have any invisible braces that take up no space. Like it has <laughs> right, to be right, there. Yeah. Not yet. But, but yeah, then we found out like the kind of the, the biggest 
root issue of why he was like concerned about actually addressing this thing that would help his mobility tremendously was because of the stigma and his right. concern about being able to find a partner. Mm-hmm. So that's Ooh. really fascinating. Yeah. It's cause it's, I yeah. mean, especially in the field, in the field of, in the field of, uh, of health or medicine, um, or what like, in the field of health, I guess, so, like overarching it, it seems sometimes like a, I mean, obviously with the show, we we're, we're talking about patient experience and, and emotions and, and perceptions and everything and st- stigma, but it, it is, it's just something that just reiterates itself all the time that it's just not, it's not a black and white science. It's not, yeah. a, mm-hmm. it's not a math equation. There's, there's so many factors to it. And, and that's, yeah. a, I think that's a really cool example of how something's going on that we just don't, might not initially perceive. Yeah. And it is, it is neat in this field. We, we don't see our patients every day, but we might follow the same people for like 30 years. So that's right. kind of neat because you, you like I might meet a kid when they're like a year and a half old. And right. if I if I don't move and they don't move, I might follow them till they're 30 and I retire. So that's really wow. that's neat. So you and, you know, I'm only I don't know, like six years into the into the field. But you you do get to see how how people change throughout mm-hmm. like their journey with whatever is going on. So some people are born with something and some people have something happen to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you see kind of how they grow and how they change and how their priorities change and their hobbies change. So sometimes yeah. they're like, oh, I used to be snowboarding. Now I'm really into Pokemon glass shame. blowing. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Pokemon go. Yeah. Well, Jenna, I, I got to say, you you have one of the cooler jobs that I've ever heard of. And uh, I, I had an idea that this conversation was going to be really fun, but I, I don't think I had quite an idea of how interesting and how fun it was going to be. This has been really great. Um, and, and for anyone who's curious to know, um, uh, Jenna, you're, you're the owner of Brackish Bracing, which is, which is here in Nova Scotia. So if you're, if you're in Nova Scotia and, uh, you're in the, the Kentville area, um, or abroad anywhere else in, in Nova Scotia, uh, check out Brackish Bracing because uh, you guys obviously are up to some really cool shit. And there's a, there's a sandbox. If you get there's bored, a sandbox. you can just go yeah. over there and play, man, I think. <laughs> it's like full rain. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank yeah you, thanks Jack. a lot. It was really fun. Thank you, guys. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, hey, we'll be back next week uh, with another wonderful conversation. But in the meantime, you can support the podcast by doing a few things. Number one, just uh, close your eyes and... Uh, send out good vibes to uh, the podcast gods and uh, let them know that you are thinking about us and that we are in your ear holes and you're grateful for us because we're grateful for you. Thoughts and then and you and then and then you could do something a little more tangible, uh, which is go to Spotify and follow us there, or you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review and smash the subscribe button. And then you could do the most tangible thing that you could possibly think of, which is give us money. <laughs> go to patreon.com slash sickboy <laughs> and open up your wallets, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com slash sickboy. Uh, we we honestly have a wonderful <laughs> Patreon community. Um, uh, <laughs> Our, our patrons are our, uh, 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 they are our ride or dies, as the kids are saying these days. They're our bays and um, Glizzy, yeah. We, uh, yeah, Glizzy, yeah, I don't, the fam, the fam is lit, is what I, he's saying. Fam is lit AF, and I'm not sure what Glizzy is, but I'll Google it right <laughs> when we're done. And uh, that's patreon.com slash sickboy to become one of our lovely patrons. 
And uh, huge thanks to the hippest of hip, coolest of cool people that we get to work with on a daily basis. Um, thanks to our manager, Jeff Lonis, to our co-producer and communication lead, Lauren Sankey, and to Donovan, the meerkat Morgan, for the amazing sound design on this show. Donovan, thanks for making it sound like there is an exoskeleton mech warrior walking by and Dude, lifting right those now. legs up and shooting heat-seeking heat homing missiles into the Taylor, air. Just, and Taylor, it sounds around. like you're just farting. <laughs> <laughs> and they explode, and everything is amazing, and people celebrate. Wow. Because that is the end of our show. That's right, and that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.